Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Welcome to Erotic Awakenings. Uh, my name is Sir Top, and I just want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Boy, I had some really great erotic stories uh, for this podcast, but because I had so many requests to do a follow-up on my uh, surgery, I am going to do that instead, and I'm going to have to keep you in suspense for the erotic stories to follow for our next podcast. Okay, uh, they're gone. I had my surgery, I had a double mastectomy, for those of you that don't know, and um, I am at home now and recovering, uh, doing very well. Uh, For those of you who don't understand what goes on in one of these procedures, I'm going to try to fill you in a little bit on how my journey went and what all it entailed. Um, Please understand that this is only from my perspective. Uh, When you realize that you're going to have a surgery like this, and you know that you really want to go through it, and you're mentally, physically, and financially prepared to do so, the first step is to find a reputable surgeon. Uh, There are many reputable surgeons in the country. I happen to use Dr. Garamoni from South Florida. He was recommended to me, and it was a great find. I was very grateful that someone uh, sent me to such a fantastic surgeon. So I'm going to... to what goes on during one of these procedures and what you can do to prepare yourself. I went in for my consult. It was a pretty typical office, but the patients in there weren't really typical. Uh, They were all in there having the same type of procedure. They were from all over the world, and it was really strange to see. uh, They were mostly in their 20s. I was one of the older ones. Most of them were on testosterone in their 20s. I think I was the oldest one. And uh, one was here all the way from Germany. Everybody in the room seemed really excited, some of them a little anxious and nervous, and I didn't know what the procedures were all about, so I was one of the nervous ones. And uh, But you could see the excitement between uh, one of the guys and his partner, and I guess it was because I didn't realize at the time he'd already had the surgery. So he went in first, and I was sitting in the waiting room, and when he came out, he said to me, uh, you know, how I was talking to his partner, and she was saying how exciting and how amazing it was and everything. So he came out, and uh, he was just, like, beaming from ear to ear. And so I asked him, or we were started talking, and then he said, do you want to see? So he showed me what uh, the results of his surgery uh, were like. And I have to tell you, it was amazing. 
I didn't, you know, but he was in his 20s on testosterone. So, uh, you know, I wasn't hoping for any kind of results, anything close to that. But I thought, gee, if I even come close, I'll be really, really happy. So, you know, I got to, I sat there for about 30 minutes, and I finally got to go in and see the doctor. And I was given a gown and told to uh, let it open to the front. So, of course, I, you know, had a binder on and everything. So I had to tug at the binder, and I finally got the binder off and got my gown on. And uh, he came in to see me, real nice-looking young guy, all smiles. He shook my hand, and uh, we started talking about the procedure. So he asked me about my expectations, and he was just seemed very self-assured, which really made me feel comfortable and at ease. He had me stand in front of the mirror, and he told me what he had in mind for me, and he was showing me the different spots and to and telling me what was going to be going, showing me where the cuts were going to be made, how the nipples, uh, he explained to me how the nipples and the areolas would be resized and how they'd be reattached. And uh, it was a little little intimidating and scary, but uh, but really exciting too. But his uh, relaxed uh, attitude and self-assurance made me feel pretty good about it all. And so um, I left the exam room feeling pretty good and I was really excited that it was really going to happen. We stopped at the front desk, uh, paperwork in hand, and we set the surgery date for December 1st. The office manager was amazing and very accommodating, and I felt really good about the entire process when we left. Boy, the time between the office visit and December 1st kind of seemed to drag, and each time I looked in the mirror, I imagined what it would look like or how it would feel, and especially how my shirts would fit. You know, when you have this type of image in your head and you go to put a shirt on with a tie or a shirt with a pocket or even a T-shirt and then you you get dressed to go someplace, you feel really nice and then you look in the mirror and the image you see in the mirror for me just never fit what was in my head of how it was supposed to look. And I just uh, stood in front of the mirror and kept thinking, boy, that suit and tie is going to lay nice and flat now and and I'm just going to... Look how I, I'm going to look how I feel. So the day before surgery, I had an appointment with the doctor for my last consult. And we arrived at the office and went in, and there was couples from all over the world. Um, there was a couple from the United Kingdom, one from Australia, the Netherlands, and one from Alaska. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, this guy is must really be fantastic. And how lucky I am to that someone uh, was good enough to send me there. So uh, most of them, again, you know, most of them were in their 20s or 30s. Um, there was a girl in there from Florida, the only other one from Florida. I think she must have been like in her 40s. And we waited a long time to see the doctor that day. And he was, because the next day he had a full day of surgery. And I was the first, going to be the first one. So all the patients were in the office were having surgery the same day as me, uh, right after me, in fact. And it was very exciting for me to be in there with us, all having the same goals in mind. Um, we got into the gown. I got into the gown again and got ready for the final details. Uh, this would also be the day that we would pay for the remainder of the balance. Well, the doc came in and uh, took pictures and talked about the placement and expectations one last time, and then we were done. So uh, I did ask him, "Am I the oldest one to ever have this surgery?" And he said, and he assured me I wasn't. So uh, see you in the AM. The office manager gave me a list of things to have after surgery, the pain meds, the uh, prescription antibiotics, uh, prescription for the antibiotics, and baby wipes, ginger ale, and some soups. Trust me, in hindsight, make sure you get all the things on the list. You're going to need them. Uh, 
um, so the time finally came. It was December 1st. I was up and at him. My surgery was for 7 a.m. in the morning, and we were about 50 minutes away. So we were up at 4, myself, Bonnie, and Lovely. Lovely was driving us. She's uh, one of my family members. And ready by 5, and we were out the door as we had to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning. And this was done at a surgery center on the grounds of a hospital. So Lovely drove us to the hospital, and I sat in the back seat. I had my pillow all propped up, and I was kind of drowsy, actually, because, you know, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. But I actually slept pretty good the night before. I was kind of surprised because uh, I just thought that I was going to be nervous all night. But I think at some point you just have to concede to turn it over to whatever higher power you believe in. And um, I guess that's what I did, and I just I slept pretty good. I, you know, I my background is I worked in surgery for many years, and the only thing that I was really ever concerned about wasn't the ability of the uh, physician, but more the anesthesia. Every I think everybody's a little nervous and has uh, some problems with anesthesia. But, um, you know, so that was the biggest thing. I was nervous about being put to sleep. Um, this is a pretty common fear, but seldom, it's kind of like a plane crash. Things don't go wrong they seldom go wrong you know there's very few plane crashes but if there is one you don't want to be in it and it's the same thing with anesthesia uh something seldom goes wrong but when it does it's usually not a good thing and i was just kind of praying i guess that i wasn't going to be the one incident but i think sometimes when you work in the metal field you just know way too much and it causes a lot more anxiety than is necessary so I had slept pretty good, and we finally got there after our 50-minute drive, and we arrived at the hospital. We were actually there a few minutes early. The doors weren't even open, so we kind of waited outside a little bit, and about five minutes, and we were the first ones there, and I was the first surgery of the morning. I had to kind of think back when I was working in surgery. Sometimes we'd be at the scrub sink at 6, you know, 6.15 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, getting ready for our first surgery. And we'd kind of joke around with each other and say, hey, are you awake? I'm barely awake. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I hope they're not having the same jokes and I hope they're wide awake. But anyway, I had to make myself stop thinking about that kind of stuff and just get ready for, for my surgery. So we sat out in the waiting room for a few minutes, and then the nurse came back and she said, okay, I need you to come back and uh, and." do some paperwork for me. I went back and I got my name tag that goes on your wrist and they took my vital signs, went over my allergies and uh, then I got to go back in the back and I got my gown on and it was really good. Uh, Well, first I had to take this binder bra off again and I was saying, uh, wow, for the last time, I'm never going to have to wear this again. And I think that moment was when the reality hit me. I'm never going to have to put on that frustrating binder. Again, I'm never going to have to call for Bonnie to help pull it off when I've had a little bit of sweat or something on. I can't can't even get it off sometimes. It was so frustrating. And it, I realized, I think, that I, this was actually going to happen and I was going to be on a whole new path in my life. So it was really, really hard to believe after a lifetime of fighting with it. And I think a smile just came into my face and she and the nurse walked up to me, and she goes, you know, it's really funny. I see a lot of that smiling about this time every time somebody comes in for this surgery. So I put my gown on, and they let me keep my boxers and socks on. That was very nice and very comforting. Uh, but it wasn't really that comforting with that little thin gown on. But, hey, you know what? I'll take what I could get. 
So I laid down the gurney, and she brought over the IV stuff, and uh, she told me what was going to be taking place. She said, I'm going to insert an IV in your left hand, and then they're going to run some fluids in, and then the anesthesiologist is going to come in and talk to you, and then we're going to get started. They asked, my aller- asked about my allergies again, checked my armband, really pleasant people to work with, couldn't ask for a more accommodating staff. So I sat back and relaxed while she inserted the IV. It wasn't really bad at all, one stick, and we were set. A little anxious. Well, actually, I had to ask like three times if I could go to the bathroom. So she said, well, you know, that's because you're so anxious, and I realize that. But uh, anyway, I wasn't. but it wasn't as bad as I had anticipated or dreaded. Um, I think my excitement had won over the uh, worries by now. So she just told me to relax, and she was going to go get bring Bonnie back, my girl. She was going to bring her back with me, and that made me feel a lot better. About 15 minutes later, the anesthesiologist came in to talk to me, and he's a very nice guy. Asked me again what my allergies were, looked at my name band, wanted to make sure they're operating on the right person, and uh, kind of told me what all was going to be uh, taking place. But uh, he had kind of a dry sense of humor, but he kind of struck me, he really struck me as the type of guy that took his job very seriously, and I really liked that. And... He also seemed like he was very alert and awake. And at 7 a.m. in the morning, that's a very good sign. So he told me there was going to be a nurse anesthetist with me in the room. And uh, she came in, introduced herself, and her name was Wendy. Very attractive woman. That always helps. Uh, So I was very glad to see that. She immediately put me at rest. Uh, She took my hand and told me, I'll be with you the entire time. I won't let anything happen to you. And even though I know that she couldn't really stop anything, (laughs) I mean, I just, it was very reassuring to hear her say that, uh, you know, she was just trying to be comforting to me, and it, it gave me some uh, some reassurance. So I heard my Bonnie, say, I heard Bonnie saying to her, my sir doesn't really want to see the operating room. I was trying to act all brave and everything, and I'm like, no, no, it's okay. But I saw them wink at each other, and I thought, oh, boy, you know, I just wasn't too concerned, but I did see the wink. I didn't get to... I didn't realize what the wink was about until later. But So anyway, it was time to go. I had my little uh, blue bonnet on my head. Uh, Bonnie tried to make me feel better by calling it my blue cover. And uh, it worked a little bit. And they were putting my chart next to my side and starting to wheel me down the hallway. She was Bonnie was at my side the whole time, walking along with the gurney. We went down the hallway. I didn't really feel that nervous. We got partway down the hallway, and they told Bonnie, this is where you have to let, we have to let you go, and there was a doorway right there, so she was going to go out into the waiting room. She leaned over and kissed me, told me she loved me, and that was it. I was out, like a light. That's what the wink was about. Bonnie had said that she wanted me to get versed before I got to see the operating room. So I don't can't tell you what the operating room looked like on this occasion, although I've been in many, many of them, because... Uh, I don't remember a thing. As soon as uh, she said she loved me, I was done. So approximately two hours later, and while I I was really in another world when I opened my eyes, I'm like, where the heck am I? The very first thing I did was slid my hands up to my chest, and they were gone. I had a nice, flat chest, and then I was out again. That was all I knew. I had a smile on my face, I'm sure, and I was back in and out of consciousness. And then when I started to wake up, I realized, and boy, am I sick to my stomach. You know that feeling that you have when you just want to heave or throw up, but you just can't? That's what I woke up to. Well, that and a very attractive nurse, which didn't hurt. 
if I could have actually focused on her. My eyes were still kind of rolling around in the back of my head. I just could not wake up. Really didn't want to, but I felt like I had to be sick. And it was kind of really a horrible feeling. She was as hopeful as she could be, the nurse, but sometimes there just isn't anything that can be done. So I was sick to my stomach, felt half drunk. Actually, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. You remember one of those moments in your early life, you get intoxicated and you have the dry heaves? That's exactly what it felt like. Now I know why I don't drink anymore. Well, finally, my eyes started to focus and I realized I was in the recovery room. There was beds all over the place, lined up across from me with people going through the same experience. There was a guy across from me, he had some kind of surgery done on his arm. I guess he was there with another surgeon. People were buzzing all around, stretchers going in and out. Really kind of weird to see this kind of thing going on from the other end. I'm usually the one watch that's participating. Now I was actually being the patient. It kind of gives you a really great appreciation for both sides. I was really impressed with the treatment I had had so far, and in the recovery room I had the same experiences. The nurse was very obliging, tried to help me, and uh, with the nausea she was giving me ginger ale, ice chips. Nothing was really doing the trick, but at least I was becoming more coherent. They finally brought Bonnie back, and that always helps. It's always nice to have her by my side. made me feel better, made me just feel more comfortable. So we stayed in the recovery room for about two and a half hours, then the nurse took out the IV. They asked me if I was ready to go home. Jeez, I didn't even really know at that point. I didn't feel like I could go home, but that was the norm. Everybody was uh, everybody goes home about that time. In fact, I was there a little bit longer. I was flying pretty high from the drug still, feeling sick, and I really just wanted to get somewhere, so I said yes. I got dressed with the help of Bonnie and was walked out to the car with ice chips in hand, Boy Jamie, lovely, into the car I went, and off we went. The ride home was uh, not great, but it was uneventful. I felt like I was kind of on a wild ride with Mr. Toad. Even though Lovely tried to miss all the bumps, it's just that the nausea and stuff was so bad, my head was kind of swimming. So when we finally got home, everybody helped me in. We have a large mirror in our living room, a full length, and the very first thing I wanted to do, of course, was stand in front of it. I have to be honest with you. When I saw myself in the mirror, tears were running down my face as I realized that this was how I was always supposed to look. My flat chest now fit the image of how I internally saw myself every time I would get dressed. Only every time I got dressed, I'd be disappointed when I looked in the mirror. Lovely was staring at me, and I guess she could feel it. She she was crying too. Well, the nausea really hadn't gotten much better, so they made some, uh, I can tell you what's really great if you go through this, peanut butter toast. Um, I like peanut butter anyway, so that's always a solution. But I had some peanut butter toast, some ice chips, and laid down. You have to keep your head elevated, and you must lay on your back. So you don't really you need to get comfortable, but I have a great suggestion for you. Those airplane pillows, the little round ones, the Horseshoe ones that go uh, that you use when you go on a plane, get one of those if you're going to be having this surgery. Because when you're sitting in your recliner or you're laying in bed, if you'll put one of those around your neck, you can just rest your head on it on the side, and it's very very comfortable. It keeps it right at the right height, and uh, it's very happy. You make you very happy. 
Well, the girls took really good care of me. It's amazing how much you cannot do without being able to lift your arms. You have to keep your arms close to your side. It's kind of like being a T-Rex. You've got your arms to the side, and you just have your little front wings hanging up there. Uh, you can move your hands around, but not really lift your arms up at all. So the girls were laughing at me, calling me T-Rex, and we were having a, a good good joke with that. Um, plenty of rest. You have to get plenty of rest, small amounts of food, and you still have those wonderful drains in. Can't forget the drains. You have two jacks. They're called Jackson Pratt drains. They look like a little bulb that are safety pinned to the gauze elastic bandage that is wrapped around where your breast used to be, around your chest. So you have to empty those drains every few hours and keep track of them when you empty them. Um, it was really strange the first night I was laying in bed and everybody else was asleep. I had dozed off a little bit. I woke up. I felt these things. I felt. I thought it was my breath. I panicked. I thought my breasts were back. I had a few nightmares after the surgery. So I reached up and I felt these drains. I thought, oh, my God, thank God they're not my breasts. I thought they'd grown back or something during the night, and one of my nightmares was terrible. So now I'm two days post-op. I'm going to skip around a little bit because you don't want to hear every detail. So two days post-op, meaning past surgery, and I'm doing pretty good. I was still pretty tired, and, of course, uh, I'm already getting bored. For those of you that know me, I don't sit still very long. I think my biggest fear, and the one that my family fears most, is that I'll try to do things before I'm able. They're right. I'm probably going to. It's tempting because I do feel pretty good, much better than I anticipated. I didn't require any pain meds at all. Some do, but I only took extra strength Tylenol for one day uh, and my antibiotic, and you, you'll you get uh, Keflex, that's what I got, for my antibiotic, and you have to take that after you've eaten something. It will make your stomach upset if you don't. So today was the day that the bras left and found a new home. I packed all of my heavy binders and bras up, called a friend of mine that wants to have the surgery but's not there yet, and I asked her to come over and please pick them up, and I bid them farewell with a smile. Drum roll, please. I'm about to step on the scales. Even after having ice cream yesterday, and the results are 8.2 pounds. Wow, those suckers were heavy, weren't they? 8.2 pounds. I'm not sure that that's exactly how much the actual breasts weighed, but that's how much between that, the lipo, which I didn't mention, I forgot. They did do a sculpting liposuction under my arms, on my sides, and um, so that's part of the weight loss as well. Well, the next few days were uneventful. No pain meds needed, fairly decent sleep. Even though sleeping with your head elevated and lying flat on your back does get a little monotonous. But because uh, you can't turn over, you do, you feel everything pulls, it's very uncomfortable. And now remember, the binder is still on, it stays on for a week. So I walked up and down the street a little bit those, uh, that first week, making sure to keep my shoulders back and not pull the bandages. I think I actually gained an inch in height immediately because I wasn't walking round shouldered anymore to hide my large breasts. My shoulders were back more. I felt proud to walk around. I felt much, much different. I feel lighter. I'm able to stand taller now without those heavy protrusions literally pulling me over. So I did get a trip to Publix. I didn't drive, of course, but I walked through the store, 
while one of the girls shopped. It was kind of nice to get out, but even though I had these drains still hanging, so it uh, still wasn't great. I slept better the first three nights after surgery than the last two, but the next day was my MD appointment. I was restless, starting to itch. I'm even feeling a bit more agitated. I must be getting better. I really wanted these bandages off. I did get to shower. Well, not really shower. I got to have my hair washed and my lower section washed, but of course nothing in the middle. But it was a huge help for everyone involved. Finally, the day is truth. The bandages are coming off. I was so anxious that morning to get there, but I had to wait until a 2 o'clock appointment. Got dressed, and off we went. It seemed like a long ride this time. When we got to the office, there were people there that were getting ready for surgery for the next day. It was really interesting the way they looked at me as if to ask, Hey, how did it go? Did you just have this done? They stare at your chest to see, are you getting ready to have it, or did you already have it? The office manager was smiling huge when we walked in. She asked me, Wow, you're the only one today that walked in standing straight up. Most have been all slumped over. And uh, I don't know why. I was in pain, feeling good. After about 40 minutes, we were taken back, and I was told I could unbutton my shirt and just wait for the doc. I was really surprised the immediate feeling of needing to cover up, and then I realized those days are over for me. And it was funny. I felt that same feeling. I took something out to my recyclable and I felt like I walked out without a shirt the other day, and I felt like I should have had a shirt on. So what a relief. I was really, I was so impatient to see under the bandages. I kept thinking to myself, am I going to be disappointed? Would it look as good as any of those pictures I'd seen on his website? A whole bunch of thoughts were going through my head. Even one time I even thought, would I miss them? I kind of laughed about that one. I'm sure I wasn't going to miss them. So it took about 30 minutes. The door walked in and in walked Dr. Garamani. I was a little nervous. He started telling me what to expect. He unclipped the safety pins holding the drains and then unwrapped the ace bandage. Wow. I could not believe how amazing they looked so far. Way better than I could have ever expected. He directed me to a chair and he said we were going to recline and that he was going to take the drains out. At that moment, I looked over at Bonnie and I couldn't believe the look on her face. She looked like she was just smiling huge and staring at my chest, and I was really proud. For the first time, I felt really proud. So he says to me, take a deep breath and blow out hard. And he pulled the drain out. Then the other side, take a deep breath, blow out. A little painful, not bad. Now for the nipples. He took off the bandages on the nipples and showed me how he had downsized them and replaced them in the right symmetry. They had a little scabbing on the areola, and he said that would go away and the nipples would become more prominent. They looked absolutely fantastic to me. They had little tiny sutures holding them in place. He said that everything looked fantastic. The most painful part was when he put the dressing on the drain sites as it was under my, as under my arm, and it was where they had done the liposuction sculpting. What I'm trying to say is... Um, so you can understand it a little bit better, is when they did the liposuction, there's a dressing under there that where the hole was made. And when they pulled that paper tape off and stuff, that was the most painful part of the entire time. Um, I finally realized Bonnie was still staring, just staring at my chest. And uh, she said, the very first thing she said was, wow, that is so sexy. So I was thinking, man, this is going to be fun soon.
So he showed us how to drip, dress the nipples for the next three weeks and reassured me I could take a shower the next day, but only from the back. So the water would be running over my back and down my shoulders, and then I had to pat the nipples dry and apply the dressings. Oh, my God, it was done. I was through the hardest part. I went to check out of the office. The office manager gave me papers stating, in the event I wanted to change my gender legally, at this time I was now able to do so. A million thoughts went through my mind. I know I've been criticized because I seemingly have done this backwards, but to me it will take time to see if I want to change everything and become legally male-identified. I have a name picked if that should occur. I will give it time to settle in and move slowly. I'm going to have to give that a lot of thought. We walked out of the office, tears were running down my face. I felt on top of the world, a new person, and really, really happy to be free and feeling like me. When we got home, I had my shower, and it was amazing. It's a, it's funny how you'll just take some of the little things for granted sometimes. Just the water running over me just felt so great, and it ran down over the front of my shoulders and over the front of my chest, and it was completely different than any shower I'd ever taken or could remember. I still walk around a lot of times and feel like I forgot to put my bra on or I'll still go to my drawer to get my bra out in the mornings when I go to get dressed. I just can't really describe how it feels to fit and to have things seem to fit right now, but I hope that some of my detailed journey helps others to feel more comfortable in pressing forward if they have this dream as well. And I think that it's important to say that it doesn't always mean that you have to completely make the change from female to male, that sometimes you can just be, and I'm not, no, I don't know if this is me or not, it was me when I started to get this, but maybe I will complete my journey at some point. But for some, time, for some people, it's okay to want to be just a dyke even and not have breasts. I think um, we're all individuals with our own journey. Some cross over a line they've drawn, never want to look back, and some of us are taking it much slower, not sure where we exactly want to fit in, and just enjoying every breath of our journey. I didn't suffer much through my life with judgments over my gender other than those I've put on myself. I find now that I'm going through more of that than I have in previous years. I watched a TV show the other night where a young girl, born bio-male, was left to her own devices while growing up, and her parents went through some agonizing mental torment, wondering if they were making the right decision and allowing her to do so. I wish I could have screamed through the screen, yes, you are making the exact right decision. She grew into her teenage years, and now we have the ability and knowledge to stop adolescence in its tracks and deal with these situations. What I mean by adolescence in its tracks is just going through puberty, some of these children that feel like they're born, uh, maybe they're born in a male body, and they immediately know they're female, uh, they can stop them from developing Adam's apples and the like. Um, I looked at the TV and thought that this was a documentary of my life in reverse. I had grown up as a boy, living my life as such, never really wondering until I hit puberty and then the shit hit the fan. I, in my 50s, am now realizing a lot of different things that I never had taken into consideration, important facts that I never had to face before. That what I meant by uh, the shit hitting the fan is I started my menstrual cycle, I got breasts, and my life 
completely changed because uh, the boys that I played ball with, hung out with, I, w- I wasn't accepted the same anymore. But we didn't have the um, def- we didn't have the knowledge at that time that some of these younger people are getting now and being able to experience. One very important uh, thing that I realized was when they handed me the papers in the office and told me I could legally be male. You know, I'm not so sure if I ever really thought I would take that step, but now I'm actually considering it because of many different reasons, many of which I'm sure most of you are not even aware of. It isn't the obvious one about living my life as a man because even though I don't have my breasts anymore, I'm not sure I consider myself male. I've just always lived my life, and I suppose that is lived my life the way I want, and I suppose that's the way I'll continue to do. If anyone has any questions concerning this podcast, or my personal journey, please give me the courtesy of contacting me in private before invading a public forum, because perhaps my journey is not your journey, and perhaps speaking to me might actually benefit us both. Thank you. Oh, hey, I thought I was finished, but I had this really weird dream last night I had to come back on and and say. I was sound asleep. I started seeing myself in front of a mirror. In my dream, the only problem was my nipple had slid down to my waistline. I yelled in horror, and one of my family members came to assist me. We actually took our index fingers and slid the nipple gently back to the host site. In my dream, it was actually visible and marked as if a landing pad for the nipple. While we were struggling to get the tape and a Band-Aid to secure it, it slid again out of our hands and down to my waistline on the other side. I was in shock and yelling, oh my God, I've lost my nipple. We gingerly slid it back to the host site again and secured it with its dressing and tape. I woke up startled and immediately looked down and was convinced our efforts had not been in vain. Moral of the story, make sure and follow doctor's orders and don't eat chocolate before bed. It gives you nightmares. And by the way, nipple sensation usually it can take up to a year to return, and sometimes it doesn't return at all. But I just have to tell you, mine is back already and so sensitive, you can't even blow on it. So I'm thinking, good times ahead for me. So I hope that some of you have learned a little bit about the procedure that it takes to go through this. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at sirtop at AOL.com. The zero and top the O in top is a zero. I would love to hear from some of you and I cannot tell you the amount of positive, wonderful emails I got after the last podcast. This has been life changing for me and something that has been one of the most exciting, fantastic parts of the journey of my life. And I'm very, very grateful that I've been allowed to share it. Thank you all very, very much. And happy holidays. Don't forget to tune in next month for the erotic uh, bedtime stories.